because any successful company, one of the biggest challenges, it's, it's really saying no. It's saying no to opportunity that's not going to bring you in the direction that you, that you want as a company. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 140. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs, and over the past two years of hosting the show, I've had on a bunch of guests who are running different kind of businesses from their RV. Everything from apps they've created to pop-up race car tracks at NASCAR events, Etsy shops, adventure photographers, and a lot of others. But I've also had guests on the show who are building innovative products and solutions for the RV industry and some really smart entrepreneurs who have nothing to do with the RV industry. I just wanted to bring them on and talk to them on the podcast. But today's guests have not only built something really cool for the RV industry, but they've been living small for over 10 years in vans, RVs, and now on a boat while growing Hoffman Architecture, a design firm that has over 400 RV renovations under their belt. And recently, they released their own RV catered towards full-time travelers. In this episode, we talk about how Matt left his job, started an RV renovation business focused on Airstreams, met Joanna, and the two of them built a company that now has over 10 full-time employees and a new venture called Living Vehicle. We cover a lot in this episode, but a few areas that I've thought about and that really stood out to me when I re-listened to it was the importance of going all in on something new. Matt and Joanna left the U.S. to just focus on this new venture that they were working on. And I think there's different parts of our life where that makes sense. You're, You're taking so much energy and putting it into this new thing and breathing life into it. And sometimes it's really hard to do that when you're stretched thin. So that's something that I, I really got from this episode. And also, when it makes sense to stay small in your business and actually turn away projects so you don't dilute the quality of what you're doing, uh, specifically Mad Joanna running a service-based business with Hoffman Architecture, actually turning away business and saying they aren't going to try to scale up and just get to as many employees as they want because quality matters to them. And we talk about a lot more like what goes into creating a new product from scratch, how, and we nerd out on some of the details of this living vehicle they've created and why it's a really cool beast. And hopefully if you're out on the road or just wherever you're at in the world, uh, they will be bringing them and showing them off at shows so you can go check them out. They're really cool. Uh, we'll, we'll drop some links in the show notes so you can go check them out. But before we jump into today's episode, a quick word from our sponsor, the Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts of RVing is just sitting down with other people and sharing stories. The good, the bad, the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life about what led them to this lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, and where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to this show, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road podcast, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, and the Google Play Store, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's show with Matt and Joanna Hoffman. Thanks for being on the podcast with me, guys. Hey, Yeep, how's it going? <laughs> Good. Uh, so just want to give you guys major props, uh, like I was telling y'all before we jumped on, because the past couple of years we've hosted our RV Entrepreneur Summit, and the one question that people always have, and we've had Winnebago come out, and they typically will bring a couple folks, and we'll do like a Q&A. And the one question everyone always has is when is the art when are the RV manufacturers going to build a rig for people to live in full time? And that's kind of well, exactly well, we, what you guys just did. Yeah, well, we got that answer for you. <laughs> the time is now. We have arrived. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I want to dig into the living vehicle. But uh, before we get there, I 
kind of want to start at the beginning and just talk about the evolution of how this living vehicle came about. Um, you guys have been running Hoffman Architecture for 10 years. Matt, you left your job, and on the side, you were renovating an Airstream, I think, kind of as a portfolio project to kind of show people what you could do, but then you never stopped renovating mobile spaces. Is that right? Yeah, well, I mean, that portfolio project wasn't even a, you know, it, it was, you, you give me a little too much credit there. It was really <laughs> just, it was a side thing. You know, There I wasn't that much intentionality with it. I, I mean, in the very beginning, it, it wasn't. You know, I just fell backwards into it, frankly. You know, I, I bought an Airstream kind of on a whim, um, just because I was kind of into it at the time, and I didn't really know that much about it. You know, I had some experience with RVs back in the day. My family had a little Shasta trailer, and that's all we do. We never go to hotels. We'd always be in a trailer camping. I bought this thing, um, you know, three years into working as an architect here in Santa Barbara, and I just, you know, spent some time renovating it um you know making it look what i thought would be cool a cool space you know based on my kind of just past building stuff and the architecture design and you know when i was done with it i looked at the thing and said wow this is pretty darn cool um i could probably live in this and you know i just got to thinking i said okay well it's time to quit my job and start my own firm and what i thought at the time was going to be an architecture firm you know doing traditional stuff um i only had one project to push so i had, you know, I, I was sitting up on this hill all alone in this in this trailer, um, renting this beautiful ocean view property, and I was pushing this one project. And um, you know, a lot of folks picked it up. You know, that's you mentioned the L.A. Times. Um, this one project uh, got into a bunch of bunch of you know places, and the next thing I knew, um, I had a business renovating you know small spaces. <laughs> Why did you want to leave your architecture firm? Like, did you not enjoy it or did you just want well, to do your own I mean, thing? Or? You know, I'll give you 10 different reasons. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, primarily it was, you know, it, it was a day job. It was uninspiring. It was a desk job. You know, it's just I always knew that I was going to go out and create my own company. Um, so there was a limit to that. I had just secured my architecture license. You know, you got to work for three years for a firm before you can do that. So that, you know, it was very intentional. Um, so you know, that was the birth of kind of lowering my overhead and starting my own company. Did you actually need an architecture license to renovate Airstreams? No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so you're a little bit overqualified. <laughs> yeah, and we're really, you know, I don't know if we're the only, I think we are, is the only licensed architecture firm that is currently designing small spaces, you know. Yeah, so you, you left your job, renovated this first Airstream, and were you living in it at the time, or were you just... Yeah, it was a full-time full time living um, so you'd, decision. So you'd kind of bring people to your office slash home and show them what you could do and then pitch them on doing one for them. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't so much that. Um, you know, I was living in this space. The story resonated with people, and it was mostly an online thing. You know, people would catch word of what I was doing online, and they'd just give me a call and say, hey, can you do the same thing for me? And I said, okay. And <laughs> and then I started, you know, very naturally a business um, about all, all about renovating small spaces. How did you How did you know how to renovate an airstream? I mean, as an architect, you design and and build things. Uh, but had you ever actually worked on the airstream? I knew you grew up in Shasta trailers, but did you had you ever actually done all the wiring and the plumbing? And had, had you done all of that before? No, absolutely not. No, I mean that one that first project was you know um, a very steep learning curve. Um, and, you know, I didn't really dig too far deep into all the electrical. It was kind of a surface renovation at the time. Um, you know, when I started doing these full guts and build outs, you know, that's when I really had to kind of partner with kind of existing RV shops where I do the design and they do the systems. And, 
you know, it was really that evolution of, you know, learning what I was doing um, kind of as I was going. It was really a, a learn by doing um, was kind of the mentality of this, this, this very early days in our business. And Joanna, when did you come in the picture? You, you've been a partner and co-founder at Living Vehicle. Um, were you there at the beginning or did you come in later and discover uh, this this guy <laughs> kind of like renovating? <laughs> You'd be surprised how often that happens on this show. Everyone has a dog in their RV. It's all good. I don't know what their problem is. Um, Yeah, so, you know, Matt started this himself back in 2009, 2010. And then I met him, let's see, almost four years ago now. And I was living in L.A. at the time, actually. And he was in Santa Barbara. And um, if you can believe it, we met on Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And, um, yeah, we... We were talking for a couple of weeks and I was like, wow, this guy seems really interesting. Um, you know, finally kind of said, let's, let's meet, you know, let's see what this is all about. And, um, after that first weekend just kind of clicked and we saw each other every weekend after that. And then three months later I moved in with him and, um, you know, had a job here in Santa Barbara working at a restaurant and, you know, Matt kind of told me like, Hey, I live a pretty, interesting life and I have a lot of freedom and I really would like to share that with you and kind of started to slowly let me into his business. Um, my background was in marketing. Um, so I would, I started working as a consultant basically for Hoffman architecture in marketing. And as the time went on, you know, Matt kind of saw that, you know, it was working. I was good at what I did. We liked working together and that's when we kind of decided to, you know, really give it a shot. Um, he brought me on as a partner and we started living a mobile lifestyle together. And, um, you know, last, last year, a year and a half ago, we decided let's start a new company together. And, um, that's what living vehicle was. So you, you had a background, I guess, and, and you had been doing amongst other things, like, uh, you were into like food restaurants, blogging. Is that kind of what you had been doing before or at least some of it? Yes, I had zero background in anything trailer. <laughs> <laughs> but you could kind of come into the equation and start thinking about how do you share this story of living small intentionally and everything that Matt had been doing? Because I'm sure he's pretty deep in the weeds on actually pushing out these vehicles, working with clients and things like that. Yeah, I mean, what was really intriguing to me, you know, was the lifestyle. I had, I'd always been working hard. My parents were both, um, immigrants from Poland and they always instilled a very you know good work ethic in me so the day I turned 16 they're like okay get a job um so working hard was something that I really enjoyed but when I was in LA I worked about five different jobs um you know the cost of living there is insane and it's you know it's tough and I was just always working and really had no time to enjoy you know everything around me that I you know moved there for um, you know, the food, the beach, um, you know, just the active lifestyle. And so when I learned more about what Matt was doing, what his life looked like, I was really intrigued. And I didn't care if it was trailers or, you know, whatever we were selling, I was I was in. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you guys both kind of hop in an RV. And and I'm curious to hear how you guys juggled it too. Uh, so I don't want to skip too far ahead. But at some point, I know you guys hopped in an RV together and started doing a bit of traveling. And I'm sure we didn't get too far from Santa Barbara. 
um matt was this kind of like a trial period like if she can live in a very small space like we'll be good or how did oh that yeah go? no that was that was it i mean that you know it, joanna will is the first to admit this um you know about about what a year into our relationship i you know it was kind of twofold i um i wanted to experience you know the more traditional side of the rv industry um so i bought kind of just a typical run-of-the-day new white box travel trailer and um, Joanne and I made the decision together um, and you know we probably researched I don't know hundreds hundreds and hundreds of floor plans and models and makes and all that stuff and in the end we just kind of just random picked one and um, we just got on the road because we wanted to experience this Um, so we both did this together and um, you know I was pretty upfront I said okay we're gonna do this we're gonna understand this mobile lifestyle together and go on kind of a you know four to six month trip um, you know running our company from the road seeing how this works getting to know each other making sure that you know kind of we're a good fit for each other yeah and how a test to make sure that he would want to marry me and live this kind of (laughs) life with me (laughs) Because when you have two, I'm sure if you, um, you know, listen, know when you have two people in a very small space, uh, you kind of need to like each other for it to work. <laughs> yeah, I think we kind of joke like it's been ma- like we've been married in dog years because <laughs> oh, not only do we run our business together and live in and we live in a small space, but, you know, we're together all the time. It's not like. <laughs> It's not like we even live in a small space, but then like we go to our separate jobs during the day. So it's like we eat, sleep, breathe everything together all the time. And so in some ways, it's amazing. In a lot of ways, most of the ways, it's amazing. Uh, But, you know, there's also that side of trying to, you know, kind of strike that balance. Um, So with you guys, like, how does, do y'all ever struggle with that? Do you like, do y'all ever struggle with like turning off? Like, hey, it's 930. Like, we probably shouldn't be talking about living vehicle. We should just be like hanging (laughs) out with their dogs or something. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, so many folks' lives are by design. You don't have to deal with that because, you know, they don't work together, um, you know, on the same business. So they have their own jobs. So you go to different places during the day. Um, you yeah, know, maybe you share a story about, you know, Ed, who is slurping his coffee loudly yeah, and but... you joke about <laughs> it, but you don't really get into the meat of you know, the day and... Yeah, and you're not scheming constantly on how to improve or this or that. I mean, work talk evolves into everything. So, you know, and then in a small space, too, it's tough. You know, you got to make these... You got to be really intentional about, you know, the way that you live and don't just let your lifestyle kind of affect habitually these kind of habits and behaviors that can really become, you know, bad habits. So you got to you got to be aware and really make choices together. Uh, And, you know, that process, if you're aware of it and you're up to the challenge, can be very rewarding. What do you guys do to kind of turn it off? Drink. Drink Drink. wine. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, It's, you know, it's a deliberate conversation. You know, we we say, okay, this tonight's, you know, tonight's, you know, not a work 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 night. You know, um, we're going out. We're going to, you know, we just whatever we're doing, we can choose to engage in things that aren't related to that one primary feature of our lives you know we can choose to just turn that off or you know we go away for weekends a lot or you know which is weird it's like how do you you're constantly traveling anyways um so it's it just really is a deliberate choice um whatever we're doing it doesn't work too well though like last night we were going to dinner and we were walking and matt's like oh what do you think about this idea for (laughs) adding this solar panel and i was like please like no work talk. I just want to go to dinner. <laughs> and of course, you know, 20, 30 minutes into our evening, we start talking about our company. And, 
you know, it's just, it's hard to not go there. But that was you. It was me, yeah. So, you know, the, the reality is that, like, she, you know, I started talking to work. She's like, can it be a non-work evening? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then you're just like, you both got to be on the same page. So, you know, it's, of course, it's something you, you you know, you battle. And, you know, the reality of balance, you know, is something that's very real. Um, but, you know, it's, it is rewarding in the end. Yeah, Alyssa and I were laying in bed last night, and it's like 1130. We're still, like, jet-lagged from getting back from New Zealand. And... Uh, she's like, I have an idea. And so I'm usually the one that's like waking her up early, but yeah, that's a struggle. I'm, I'm curious to know, how did you, so you were managing, uh, multiple renovation projects and consulting projects, uh, with companies. How were you doing that from the road? Cause I, I think of that as an inherently like Matt needs to, maybe not Joanna, you know, if you're working on more of the marketing side, but uh, LSU, Matt, like you are kind of client facing, I would presume. So how how did that kind of work being on the road and balancing working with clients? Well, you know, there's a reality of how you build a company. Um, you know, it, I didn't just, you know, I had a lot of help. I had a lot of resources, you know, I'm the head of the company, um, you know, CEO. And I think the, the role of the CEO is to guide, you know, the strategic direction of a company, you know, make sure that, you know, the folks that, that are managing others are, you know, are staying focused. So when it comes to customer interaction, um, you know, I didn't really have a, a lot of interaction on that front because we did have project managers and designers and we had a system, a very kind of refined system that that helped people, you know, with that face to face back at our office in Santa Barbara. Um, so it actually allowed me to have that freedom um, and disconnect from the day to day operation of a company that that gave me the clarity every day to be able to focus on what mattered so that I didn't get overwhelmed with the small stuff or the stuff that didn't need my attention. You know, I, I empowered other people to deal with those kind of things. You know, people that were more focused on the operations of a company, whereas I needed to see what the vision was. And in part of that, you know, the, the blessing of being on the road really allowed me to see the need in the market and say, this is where living vehicle comes in. You know, we've designed over 400 projects and if we're really going to make an impact on this world, I need to take a break, focus on where this goes from here um, and evolve or die. You know, that's kind of the mentality. So in that moment, you know, as we're traveling, that gave Joanna and myself the idea, if we're going to really do this and do it right and make an impact on our world, we need to start something with our name on it that we can control from the beginning to the end. Yeah, I love that. I mean, 10 years is a long time and 400 projects. That's a crazy amount of project. There And there's a lot of people renovating uh, Airstreams and other RVs. And I know you guys have felt this kind of insurgence of uh, people into the market of full-timers, which is why your timing is, is really, really great. And I know you, you guys know all this because you built it and you're ears to the ground and everything. But I'm just curious because there's so many people out there who who do these one-off renovation projects and they'll sell a rig, you know, they'll post on Instagram, all that good stuff. What do you think helped you guys get to, you know, that 10 employee mark at Hoffman Architecture? And I'm presuming y'all are still growing with Living Vehicle, but how was it just not a one-off renovation shop? And what did you do intentionally to turn it into something that was bigger than that? Well, I think a renovation company inherently does have limits. You know, it's fundamentally a service-based company where the success lies on your customer service and your attention to detail. And you can only do that at such scale. And I think we realized that there was an inherent limit to that. 
So, you know, we did, we did very well with, you know, we've always done great at telling the story and the marketing. And I think our, we have a great eye for design and people really respect our integrity. Um, you know, we're laid back and fun to work with. I think there's a lot of great things that we have going for us, but you know, what I really did realize is that there's a, there's kind of a glass ceiling in that business. And, you know, if, if I, if I'm speaking to any of the other businesses out there that are renovation companies, you know, I think the success really lies in, in not trying to get too big. Um, I've seen so many of these companies out there that do really great work and they give great customer service, but then they try and take on too much. And then they try and build a systematized company around it where, it's just a fundamental business that that's not possible. So the best thing you can do is to stay at a comfortable size, do what you do really well. And, and you know, that that's a profitable business. And that's a great business where you can keep the quality up and give people great customer service. But once you get past a certain mark, you know, if you're doing 10 projects at once, 20 projects at once, it's going to get really tough. I really challenge other businesses out there um, to kind of you know consider that carefully. So would you guys actually turn down projects or did you bump up your price? How did you deal with staying small? Because it sounds it sounds really good in theory, but I'm assuming some presuming some people are thinking like it's it's hard to turn away business. So what did you guys do in those situations where you were kind of already full? Did you just let people know like we're on a wait list right now or? Yeah, I mean, it was really hard to say no, like you just said, um, you know, as a business, you're excited anytime, you know, somebody wants to work with you. And especially with the projects we were doing, you know, everything was interesting and exciting. But there is, of course, a limit. Yeah, I think the, the key is that as we grew, our prices increased because, you know, I mean, the whole market increased, you know, the cost of existing vessels increased. And then, you know, as did kind of the quality standards, you know, people were expecting more. Um, and what we realized in the end is that it kind of prices yourself out of the market eventually where, you know, it just costs too much to do a project really right you know, at scale. You know, once you're, once you have a big company, you grow a lot of overhead and workers comp and insurance and all this stuff. And then the cost per job tends to be more expensive. So I think, you know, just by virtue of our size, our costs increased as did our, you know, price per project. Um, so that helped us stay small. And, you know, there's just a reality behind that that you can only do so much. Yeah, I mean, we definitely became more selective where, you know, we used to do just bathroom remodels and then just partial renovations. And then finally, our our criteria was we do a full gut because, you know, if we don't, we don't know exactly what we're working with. Um, so I think we just kept really evolving, you know, what types of projects we wanted to do. And also we wanted to keep challenging ourselves, you know, doing something where, you know, let's, we've never done this before. You know, we've done, you know, food trucks and mobile hair salons. You know, we've worked on things that fly and things that float. Um, you got to keep challenging yourself to, you know, stay interested and excited um, no matter what business you're doing. I have several friends who are video editors and they talk about like outgrowing different levels of video editing software. And I'm not sure if I can tie these two things together, but it's like <laughs> they start with the super basic stuff and they get up to like, final cut and then they go to premiere and i think with you guys it's like you start off really small with the bathroom then you go the full rig then you're gutting it then you're doing different vehicles and then ultimately you reach a point where you're like we need better infrastructure because we've done everything we can within the confines of these walls yeah you just hit it you just hit it um you know really what we did over those 10 you know eight ten years is is we we had so much experience you know, each one of those projects came with a customer, came with someone who wanted a, a result, a project. And then we, we designed it. We worked hand in hand with them. We built it. 
And then we did it again and again and again. And that wealth of knowledge just translated into, hey, we, we can do something here. You know, we can design something ourselves from the ground up, designed by experience. That's really one of our key philosophies in how we go about a project. Yeah, and I think for us, you know, personally living in mobile spaces, um, it started to get frustrating you know, being in these places that just didn't meet our needs, whether it was not enough storage or you know not a functional kitchen or a shower that Matt couldn't stand up in. Um, and we really took all these things and said, if we were to build our dream vehicle you know, for full-time living, what would that look like? Yeah. Or something even more fundamental. You know, the fact that most RVs out there, by definition, they are not four-season capable. So if you're living in a unit full time and you don't have the luxury to live in a very temperate climate, you have to design or you have your vehicle has to support your living in both very hot and very cold climates. Now, I mean, most of the market can't do that, you know, or it gets really expensive or confusing or complicated. Or you're buying tons of propane. Yeah, there's a bunch of propane or you have to have all these heating pads or weird solutions where you're skirting your unit or just, you know, whatever, you know, all that stuff. It seems like these these strange little solutions that people had to come up with because there wasn't a product out there that actually met the needs by design. So how do you guys start think start thinking about it's four years ago? Was this the first time you started thinking about this type of full time living vehicle or was it even before that? Well, Joanna and I, when we met, you know, I'd say it was about a year into our relationship when we moved into that, <clears throat> that trailer, just to experience what people were dealing with in the industry. I think that was the very beginning. You know, we hadn't yet solidified what it is we wanted to create, what kind of the vessel was, whether it had a motor or a van or what kind of project it looked like. But I think that was the very beginning. And we were kind of doing some research into that. There was a defining moment where Joanna and I, Joanna and I, about a year and a half ago, right after Christmas, um, we had bought one-way tickets to Portugal, knowing full well that we were going to distance ourselves completely from our existing business so that we could focus completely on developing this thing called living vehicle. And at the time, we didn't even have the name. You know, we were still developing all that. But we we had since found a manufacturer that we spent heavy you know, time investigating and forming a relationship with. And in tandem with them to do the engineering, we built this product over the course of about three, four months where we were completely isolated physically, but through technology, we were able to communicate daily. But it was really kind of intentional by virtue, just the time zone. It was it was ahead. So what we were able to do every single day is since our manufacturers back east doesn't work too well since we're on the west coast and they're already i mean by the way they're they're pretty much Amish and Mennonite they all get up at you know <laughs> i mean 2 a.m. their their assembly line starts at 5 a.m. and kind of done with work around 1 so if you can imagine we don't get a lot of time to work with that so by moving over to Europe we were able to get a lot of our work done ahead of time ahead of even when they woke up so that we were able to be very efficient, kind of continuing and keeping the ball rolling every single day. Yeah, what was the point where you guys decided to, like a year and a half ago, you decided to go over to Portugal and focus full-time on this, but even before that, was was it scary to think about leaving this consistent service-based business to go into a totally separate but related type of business and a product? No, not at all. Not at no, all. It, was, it, was, it was liberating. 
a service-based company can be tremendously difficult where everything's different. Every customer's needs and wants are different. And you have to, you know, you got to spend a lot of time and money on the engineering and to make sure that the product is great. What we were really striving for was to build a system in a way that we could produce consistent, quality, amazing design where we were able to dedicate this, this tremendous amount of time and energy that goes into creating an amazing product. And no matter how much money someone will will spend on a one-off project, you just are not able to develop and to integrate that kind of quality thinking and consistency. Even with all of our experience, there's still shortcomings in that fundamental business because, I mean, we've, we've dedicated thousands and thousands of hours into living vehicle and we're still improving. We've designed one iter, you know, we, we went through two prototyping phases and then we went through an initial production, you know, round and then we made a whole bunch of improvements. And there's a reality there that it was so liberating to be able to focus on one product and to be able to do it so well and to, to create it, to get our customer feedback and then to live it ourselves and then to make it even better after that. And I think that's the truth. You know, it's really kind of freeing for us just from a, uh, a company perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. How, I'm curious to know, uh, as you're building a relationship with these manufacturers and figuring out who you want to partner with, I'm, this is a long-term relationship. This is almost like taking Joanne out on the road for four to six months <laughs> and seeing if it worked. Uh, I'm curious, like, that a first initial reach out it's how how does that even go like do you just reach out and email a company and be like hey i i you know my name is matt and i want to make a new rv <laughs> hi, hi my name is matt and i, I, mean, I want to revolutionize the rv industry yeah because basically what you've been doing is not good enough i need to make a new one well you, you, i mean as with all things it's not that you know you don't walk up to a girl in the bar and say <laughs> hey let's go get it on right well, right yeah but... i mean you know it's it's a process of, of relationship building understanding what what a company's all about, shortlisting, understanding, then making in-person meetings, and then kind of understanding them first. Because, you know, it's not so much about my pitch. It's about, are you a good fit for, for me? Am I a good fit for you? So only after I, I spent so much time researching and then and then flying out to kind of the, the RV kind of mecca, you know, back <laughs> in Indiana, and then researching all sorts of different manufacturers, and then finally honing in on a shortlist. But then once I found the right fit, it was self-evident. And um, then I was able to dedicate you know, all my time in establishing that relationship. And then once we were on the same page, the vision, then you start bringing into those higher level discussions about what we're really doing here. And it starts small and then it grows, you know, as with all things, companies have to leverage or have to be sensitive about opportunity because you know, any successful company, one of the biggest challenges, it's, it's really saying no. It's saying no to opportunity that's not going to bring you in the direction that you that you want as a company. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of small steps. Um, you know, like Matt said, it's a really big endeavor and you really have to take it day by day with, you know, the manufacturer and see, you know, is this a good fit? You know, are our visions in line? Um, and is this something that you know we could do together? Um, I think collectively between Matt and I and other people in our company, we've probably spent you know, three to four months over there in Indiana, um, you know, not only working with the people in the factory, but spending time with the CEO, you know, other people on their team, I mean, celebrating their kids' birthdays together. I mean, we really got to know them and, and, you know, felt like this is something that we both mutually were excited to work on together. That makes sense. A year and a half seems like a really short time. I'll just throw that out there. Like a year and a half ago from 
just going out to focus on this full time. And now not only are like people are living in these on the road right now. So that seems like a really crazy short production period from idea to people living in the product. Like that's crazy short. Like how did that even happen? Well, the short answer is we were obsessed with it. I mean, for a year and a half, we just lived, breathed, you know, living vehicle. And that was our life. You know, like Matt said, we kind of let other people in our company work on handling our other jobs through Hoffman Architecture. And Matt and I, we solely, our mission was let's get living vehicle going. Well, and also, you know, you got to understand it. It's not just, we didn't create this from the ground up. We leveraged a, a strategic partnership with our manufacturer to create something together. We have the experience in design and customer awareness and what people want and our own personal experience to design an amazing space. And then when you're working with someone that already has the experience for the means and methods uh, of how how to execute a project and to scale up quickly doesn't become such a a departure. We're not creating our own factory from the ground floor. We're creating a partnership with someone that's been in business for the last 17 years, creating something together. That's really the success. And I do want to mention our, our the name of our manufacturer here. They're called the Aluminum Trailer Company. They've been in business for the last 17 years. They're a family-owned and operated business, privately held company. And it's just so great to see the quality that they consistently produce and their dedication to improvement. It's not just us. You know, we're not the ones dictating by design saying here do everything it's like we really appreciate and value our collective input and we've encouraged everyone on the team no matter their position to offer improvements and advice on how to make it better because that's what we're really focused on is now that we've got a great product out there it's already gone through so many iterations and it's doing really well but every year we will release a product improvements that continue to make it better and that's really what we're excited about what's been the most challenging part of bringing the living vehicle to life the most challenging part is just the business of it it's it's creating something that has so many different variables you know there's just so much there that you have to integrate together into one piece and then put it out there and then do what you say you're going to do. And I mean, it's it's a big undertaking. It really is a big undertaking. And I'm excited that we're, we're supported and we've got a great team. But I, it really is you know pretty significant when I sit back I told Joanna yesterday, like, look at what we've done here. It's, you know, because we get caught in the weeds, you know, it's like we're (laughs) constantly trying to improve and and constantly just kind of picking ourselves apart and being hypercritical and very judgmental about our own product and process and systems. But it's really exciting to take a step back and say, you know what, let's, let's raise a glass. We have created, created something amazing. And, you know, it's nice to be able to step back every now and then and really appreciate what we've accomplished as hard as it really is definitely worthwhile. So let's dig into the living vehicle. There's so many things about it. I've spent several hours yesterday watching videos and going through y'all's gallery and reading other interviews that you had done about this rig. So intentionality is a word that you guys use a lot. We use that word a lot too, living intentionally. Another thing I really like that you guys said is you believe a space design impacts how you feel every single day. I mean, it's one of the reasons I use like a Mac computer, it makes me feel smarter, even though that's probably (laughs) not true. It makes me feel that way. And the fact that it's a rig built for living and you've got a washer dryer, the aesthetics are are beautiful. It's aluminum. So there's this durability aspect. You don't get that sharp 
sharp depreciation, I would I would presume. So you guys have just thought of so many different things in this reg. Yeah, I mean, a big part of it, like I said, is, you know, coming from my background, I had no experience really with trailers and living in small spaces. And you, know, you think about what do I really need, you know, to live comfortably? And, you know, a big thing is how do I want to spend my time? Laundry, doing dishes, cleaning your house. I mean, those are all things that we have to do no matter how big or small your house is. And the ability to do those rather quickly and efficiently because you don't have a big house and you can just throw in your laundry and then go and then come home and it's clean. That was a really big part for us. We want to spend our time, you know, working on our business and traveling and being able to see our friends and family and creating something that allowed us to maximize our time and efficiency all while feeling like we were in this beautiful space that light and bright connection to the outdoors is really important for us. We have that beautiful glass slider that, that opens out to, you know, a deck, you know, really just creating something that we felt happy to be in every day. So I want to back up just a little bit. Joanna's getting a little into the details right now. I think if we take a step back and look at what we've really been able to design just by virtue that Joanna and I come from two very different backgrounds. You know, I'm an architect. I'm professionally trained in the tech, you know, the technology and all this stuff. And, you know, I understand that creating a space affects your mood and the, you know, the, you know, I've got there, that's reality. Now, Joanna's come in here and she understands she has got this sensitivity it comes to like, how does a space make you feel? And, you know, without all of that, and there's some, there's some real grace to that. You can just feel a certain, you know, way in a space and then, and then, you know, help me. And then, you know, we can help each other coming from very different backgrounds to collectively design this space in a very successful way where it's not just focused on one or the other. It's very collective uh, and unified. So Joanne and myself make a really great team to design this, you know, not just from the business side of things or the technology side of things, but from a use standpoint, how does it make you feel? That makes sense. I'm kind of cheating for the last part of this interview. I asked our Facebook group to just, I posted a link to the living vehicle in there. And I just asked people to like ask questions as many as they could about (laughs) whatever they had for you guys. So we'll just kind of go through like a rapid fire Q&A, the questions that people had about the rig. So the first one's from Tim, and he asks, what is the base of the trailer? Oh, it's aluminum. Uh, so the trailer's ground up, built, all aluminum, the chassis, the frame. It's just a, a custom-built, fully welded aluminum frame. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Diane asks, my main question would be, is it durable enough for someone like me, like you, Diane, who often moves twice a week and over some really bumpy roads, I'm presuming going boondocking, things like that, and... Uh, she she was wondering if it's durable enough for that. And also, what is the ease of packing up and working without unpacking like mid-travel at a rest stop? So I guess if you're pulling over somewhere and you just want to hop in and all that stuff, like, is that how easy is that? It's pretty easy in terms of getting travel ready. The main thing is that full down deck, which you're probably not going to put down if you're just hanging out at a rest stop. But otherwise, everything else is pretty much secure and ready to go. And then in terms of being off grid, pretty much 75% of the... Uh, time that Matt and I are in LV is off grid and we are boondocking, you know, whether it be a national forest or just BLM land, we've gone over some pretty crazy gravel roads and gone through all sorts of terrain, different temperatures and performs just great. Now, from a functional perspective, we've designed this thing to be bulletproof. All the things that we've worked on in the past that have really kind of come up short when it comes to the detailing and the way that things are put together, we have designed this from the ground up to last for generations. And that comes from our knowledge 
of all the way that things have been done in the past and then the failures of, you know, small details that fall apart. And we have that awareness that has allowed us to say, you know what, we can do this better. You know, we can design in a way that will last for a really long time. No, that, that makes sense. So Aaron asked, uh, what did you guys consider in the dismantling process? Like on that note of lasting for a long time uh, in case of needed repairs, like if there's a, a roof leak or moisture in the walls. Our entire unit uh, is rivet free. Uh, so, you know, compared to like Airstreams or, you know, other, other units where it's, you know, it's all fiberglass and you have to replace the whole wall. Uh, we have this system of canalized aluminum construction where, um, over the frame, uh, we, ha- we utilize VHB tape, which is called very high bond. It's a 3M product and th- it's very easy to come, come off. So if there's a, a panel that's damaged or needs to be removed, uh, it can be done very easily. Now, when it comes to systems, our entire subframe, meaning the basement underneath the floor where all of our systems live, that's extremely accessible because we have um, structurally insulated panels on the bottom side that can be removed. There's three of them, and you can just pull one down, and then you got direct access that is unencumbered. So it's very service-friendly. Gotcha. Aaron asked, full-time winter living below freezing. Is it realistic? You've kind of alluded to this a little bit, but... By design, we've rated our unit to be four season. Our most recent unit is rated to go down to zero degrees. We have designed this just by virtue of this basement construction. So all of our systems are located in a conditioned space that's on the inside of the insulation. Our insulation is fantastic. We've spent, you know, through several iterations of the unit, we've now taken our unit through a cold and hot chamber done thermal imaging on it and we are now proud to say that our unit is certified down to a certain temperature that we're going to be releasing the exact data here in the next uh, probably the next month so we know exactly uh, what that's rated for awesome amy asked what about service any rv repair centers what is the warranty so what does the warranty and service look like for this rv yep all living vehicles come with a, what's called a 5-3 one-year warranty which is a five-year chassis and frame one-year electrical and a three-year kind of bumper to bumper. So it's a it's a great warranty service through our manufacturer that has dealers um, and service centers all across the U.S. Uh, we al- also offer when a dealer's not available or you're living full-time or it's anchored to a site that you moving it's not feasible, uh, we leverage a mobile-based service platform so the service can come to you. So several people asked about office space. Jilly asked if would they be interested in, one, in making one that is more office than living space. I'm always on the computer and doing work. So her bed can, I guess, fold out and somebody posted a link to like a, I guess, a Murphy bed that goes into like a desk. So I was just curious, like, what are the thoughts around like desk and the office and how you can accommodate that? Yeah. So the one that we're living in right now, actually, the bedroom is a fold out um, couch. So you can use that as your office space, you know, have it be a couch during the day, you can have a desk in there that can be just your separate room. And then in the other area, in our living area, we have a very big U lounge that you can utilize for desk space as well. And then we have our Eurobed loft, which is that bed that is motorized and comes out of the ceiling. So a lot of times Matt will be sitting at the U lounge, you know, on his computer. Maybe I'm up in the Euro loft napping or kind of reading a magazine. So the space is really adaptable. And I mean, we are running our company full time when we're in there. So definitely works for us. Yeah, I love it. Uh, last question for you guys is, I mean, you've you've now launched the living vehicle. Uh, y'all are coming out with a travel series um, this fall. Is that correct? Yep, that's that's correct. And what does the future look like? Like in twenty years, what what do you <laughs> ten, fifteen, twenty years? What do you hope the future of 
living vehicle is uh, when people talk about it, when people are looking to buy one, what's that pitch? What's the story? What do you, what do you, what do you hope it stands for? Um, you're basically talking about our mission statement now. What our plan, five to ten year plan, is we're looking to create what's called a, a completely net zero living space. So that means that no energy in and no waste out. And so it'll have all the features needed to support a wonderful, modern, luxurious life full time and require no infrastructure. Now, we're also going to create motorized lines that are fully electric that create power again from their own uh, resources. Some of the technology that we're going to be looking to implement are things like water generation, where we literally pull water out of the air to fill up the water tanks. So we are also going to have things, uh, you know, not just uh, solar power uh, that powers uh, energy, but also solar power that can, you know, eventually power a drivetrain for a motorized line. Maybe we can even create our own food and uh, gardens that are implemented inside the living space. So there's so much when it comes to technology and continuing to improve our product to make it, you know, not just a space for living, but a space for true sustainability. And once we've accomplished that, then we're going to be successful in our mission. Not just self-contained, but truly self-sustainable. Correct. I love it. Where is a good place for people to connect with you guys and ask questions if they have more questions about the living vehicle? Um, so we're really accessible. You know, if you see us literally on the road or living in one, come say hi. Um, otherwise, you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, you know, reach out to us, um, you know, email us. Um, we are available all the time and excited to hear from people, you know, share more about our product and their story and, you know, just understand what people are looking for so we can help creating, you know, help continue to create products that serve the needs of people. And it's not uncommon for, I mean, we, we take trips constantly. Um, and we tend to announce those trips and travels on our newsletter. Um, you know, just last week we traveled up through Utah and back and we, you know, every night that we were staying, we kind of had, those on the calendar and people were more than welcome to come and schedule meetings with us and just, you know, hang out with us in the evening. So I encourage folks to follow along and stay in touch so that, you know, when we do go on the road uh, and we come to your town, you're able to come and grab a glass of wine or maybe a nice tasty margarita with us. I make really good margaritas. Ooh, that sounds, that sounds awesome. Well, maybe we can coerce you guys into bringing a living vehicle to our next RV Entrepreneur Summit so people can test out. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And our very next event that we'll be at is actually Tiny Fest, which is Father's Day weekend. I think it's June 15th to the 17th, and that's up in San Jose. So if anybody's in that area, Matt and myself will not be there, but actually two of our um, customers that are living in an LV um, are going to be there showing it off. So it's a great opportunity to see it, talk to somebody who's actually living in one. So we're excited about that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, taking the time to be on the podcast. And uh, I will look forward to seeing where Living Vehicle goes. Yeah, us too. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> great. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning to that episode with Matt and Joanna. If you want to grab the show notes, everything we mentioned, as always, is available on heathandalyssa.com and you go to podcast and you can click on all the show notes from every episode that's ever been on this podcast, all 140 of them. As always, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast and I hope that whatever venture, whatever project you're working on right now in your life, even if your project is to not have a project right now, just want to encourage you to enjoy that process because that's something I'm always reminding myself and I think it's just a good message that we can never hear enough that 
whenever you get to where you want to be, it's really never what you think it's going to be. And that has nothing to do with this episode other than the fact that it just popped into my head and I wanted to to share it with you guys because it's a, it's, like I said, it's a struggle for me and I know it is for other people as well. So it's important to enjoy whatever it is we're creating on a day-to-day basis. Thank you guys so much for listening to The RV Entrepreneur and I'll see you guys next time.